Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. I thought that in common with every other media node, we ought to just pay tribute to the fact that Prince Harry's book comes out, which is called uh, Spare. Called Spare. And, and Such I'm excitement. Going, and I'm going to give you five celebrity memoirs, okay? One of which, the title of which I've made up. Okay. Oh, all right, okay. Yep. So here we go. Letting it all hang out by RuPaul. Letting it all hang out by RuPaul. Yep. My Bookie Wook by Russell Brand. My Bookie Wook by Russell Brand. Yep. Don't Hassle the Hoff by David Hasselhoff. That is, of course, Don't Hassle the Hoff by David Hasselhoff. Then, The Gripes of Wrath by David Lee Roth. The Gripes of Wrath yeah. by David Lee Roth. And finally, Russell Simmons and Life and Death. Life and Death. See what he did there? Okay. Which Russell one Simmons. Of, which the one Russell of, Simmons. of Death Jam. Um, so which one of those five have I just made up? Well, life and death is, they would have to do that, wouldn't they? It's just inevitable. Um, my bookie book, I remember, I remember it coming out, Russell Brand, that was indeed a, a, a real uh, a publication. Uh, was it letting it all hang out with RuPaul? I think that's, I think that's likely somehow. Gripes of Wrath was a kind of standard headline, wasn't it? Every time you opened sounds every week <laughs> in about 1979. Terribly funny, I thought. Um, and so it could have been. But I actually, I think, because it's so weak, I think Don't Hassle the Hoth is so pathetically weak that n- not even the most desperate publisher would have dared hoist that, as we used to say, upon an unsuspecting public. And you'd be wrong because oh, right. okay. they did. No, okay. no. 
So the one that's made up is The Gripes of Wrath by David Lee Roth, uh, which, as you say, was a million times. It was. There actually was a book called Don't Hustle the Hoff by David Hasselhoff. It's a fact. It's a fact. Okay. That's shocking, isn't it? Have you got a stack? What are you going? My, fa- my favourite is still uh, Tall, Dark and Handsome. With Alan Hansen, which I think is very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a very quick. I've got a quick true or false, right? Okay, five pop star film or TV cameos. Mm-hmm. Four of them real. One concocted by me. Spot the ringer. True or false? Frank Zappa appeared briefly as a drug dealer in Miami Vice in 1986. Mm-hmm. That's Frank Zappa as a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. Miami Vice. Hate Bush. Plays a bride in a fantasy sequence in an episode of the comic strip in 1990. Yeah. Paul Weller, dressed as a Viking, appears as a dead body lying on the floor of 221B Baker Street in an episode of Sherlock. Okay. Paul Heaton, later of the beautiful South, this time I suppose the house artist, was, was wearing an extra, was, was an extra wearing a flat cap and riding a bike in Coronation Street in 1992. <laughs> and Amy Mann played a nihilist who loses a toe in a failed kidnap scam in The Big Lebowski in the 1970s. So, well, God. well they're all very plausible, uh, and I'm just going to pick one, because uh, I don't know for a fact about any of them, actually. I'm going to pick my ringer would be Paul Weller. Exactly. No, Paul Weller actually did happen because he's a big mate of Martin Freeman. So oh, he got okay. into that thing. Right, right. But no, the, the ringer actually is, is Paul Heaton because somebody did appear as an extra in Coronation Street in the 70s. And it was Morrissey. Morrissey in his oh, memoir revealed because he was a massive super fan of Coronation Street. And Morrissey did appear, not wearing a flat cap, but riding a bike very briefly in a scene. Sweet, he, said, uh, he said it was a fleeting scene. He said so, so brief that even if you don't blink at all, you will miss me. So, yeah, it was Morrissey. But good work from you. Very good. I, I can't let the mention of Coronation Street go by without um, once more recapitulating my brief experience with Coronation Street in in the late 70s, 1977, I think, probably. Yeah. I went to Granada Television in Manchester to see Tony Wilson, who at the time was doing So It Goes and, and the local news programme and so forth. And he took me, he said, let's go to lunch in the stables. I said, what's the stables? He said, well, it's kind of bar, sort of attached, very near to Granada, and everybody uses it. And so we go in there. Those were the days when all television stations had clubs, didn't they? And yep. everybody, everybody drank at all television, you know, at every lunch hour or every tea time or whatever. They'd all drink, wouldn't they? And uh, anyway, I went into there with Tony Wilson. And there was a, a bunch of kind of cameramen from World in Action and, you know, whatever else Granada were doing. And then sprinkled amongst these people were members of the cast of Coronation Street, which is the strangest thing you've ever seen in your life. To go to a normal bar and you see Stan Ogden over there and Hilda over the other side of the room. But they were still recognised. I mean, obviously, they weren't in costume or anything. They were still recognisable, clearly. Completely recognisable yeah, yeah. because these people, you know them almost better than members of your own family. I know. It's an absolutely astonishing thing. 
And uh, and somebody was asking me about this recently, and uh, I said, yes, it was called The Stables. And I looked it up, and there's a web page devoted to it. No you know, The Stables Bar. Uh, other things. It's very sad news about the death of Gianluca Viali today, the uh, Chelsea and Italy player. I'm just going to tell you one uh, the, any brief um, point about Gianluca Viali. My wife, as you know, is a teacher, and... Uh, and at one stage, she had one of Gianluca's Viali's children in her class. And so, you know, you meet them once a year or whatever at, at parents' evening. And, uh, and my wife doesn't follow the football, I think it's fair to say. But, uh, you know, but she was aware that this child's father was Gianluca Viali, who duly turns up for a parents' evening. And, uh, you know... You know, we had an old we had an old ad manager friend of ours. She used to talk about people people who could charm the knickers off the vicar's wife. That's right, Rod Sop. Well, uh, my, my wife came home floating on air, having met Gianluca Viali because he was the only only parent she'd ever met in considerable experience as a, as a teacher. Only parent she'd ever met who signed off at the end of the the encounter by kissing her hand. Oh my lord! What a gentleman! Oh, that's fantastic. what an absolute gentleman! And of course, Ben being gentle, he had the kind of charisma to carry it off. You know what I mean? It wouldn't look like a gauche, a gauche try to. You know, no, it would look like something all the time. Absolutely, part of the rich culture of his country. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you know, when everybody says what. A gentleman Gianluca Vialli was, and clearly was absolutely everybody in the game who had anything to do with him has got nothing but praise for him as a, oh, as a human being. So that was my yeah, wife's yeah, yeah, brief, yeah. brief glancing encounter, unforgettable encounter with Gianluca Vialli. The Word Podcast Prime Cuts of Popular Culture served fresh each week. The New York Times have been running a very good little series called Five Minutes That Will Make You Love then put in anything, you know, and they started with kind of classical music and it was string quartets and then it was opera and then it's whatever. And, you know, basically the, the idea that, you know, within five minutes you can be convinced that there is something in something that you previously never very much thought about. And I saw the one the other day that says, five minutes that won't make you love Sun Ra. <laughs> That's a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know it struck me. I don't really know anything about Sun Ra at all. But anyway, two things. So talk about because you you know a little bit about well, I Sun Ra. It. Okay, we'll come to that in a second. But first thing, it made me think that that format takes advantage of of one of the great qualities, uh, one of the great boons of the streaming era, which I don't think we pay sufficient mind to you know i don't think we give sufficient credit to which is the fact that with a couple of clicks you can be listening to anything in the world can't yeah. you and yeah. that didn't apply 20 30 years ago and with no know? investment you don't have to buy it you can just no chance investment it. whatsoever you can chance it. if you don't like it then abandon it and i i just thought surely what's going to happen with streaming is it's going to make us more liberal, if you like, in our tastes. Because it's going to make us more likely to encounter things yeah. that we don't think are within our, our It's completely risk-free, isn't it? Trying anything at all is fine. Com- completely risk-free. And, um, you know, I think I've, d- I've done this with quite a lot of things, like I've said to you, you know. 
uh, you know, I've been listening to a lot of jazz in the last couple of years. And that's partly because it's just at arm's length. It's absolutely there all the time. Anyway, Sun Ra. I still know very little about Sun Ra. Give me the highlights of well, Sun Ra. So, I mean, I, I interviewed him in 19, I think it was 1982 at the venue in, in, in Victoria. And I mean, at that stage, the basic, there wasn't much information about him. He'd been a member of the Fletcher Henderson band. So the big orchestra, so he was a big, quite a conventional jazz musician. And he'd just gone off at a tangent and f- formed the orchestra and had brilliantly invented a completely fictional persona. So when I went to interview him, he never once stepped out of character. You know, I asked him if he was from Saturn, as he claimed to be, and he said he was from Saturn, but he was now uh, from the Omniverse. He said, I'm 10,000 years old. Uh, He was now a resident of the space-time continuum, and he wore a huge headdress and a great big cloak. And his real name, actually, was Herman Poole Blount, (laughs) which is pretty prosaic. But I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Actually, you know, he was nearly he was nearly seventy. You now I think about it at the time, and he formed this kind of random, free form, you know, unbelievably outrageous uh, orchestra playing this very, very free form jazz. It's quite interesting because because actually he's a bit like Frank Zappa in some ways that he they both have presented themselves as being these exotic kind of characters, but behind the scenes were probably incredibly focused and fiercely efficient and writing sheet music and recruiting and running and rehearsing orchestras and getting to play really complicated music. So, uh, yeah, that was it. And he, a lot of his music is very, very, it, you know, door to the cosmos Space loneliness number two. They're really, really difficult polyrhythmic exercises, you know. But he does do quite conventional things. There's a version of Pink Elephants on Parade from uh, from Dumbo, which is a kind of full orchestra, kind of uh, whole band singing version. So there's all sorts of stuff you can explore. But he is a very acquired taste. But anyway, you can acquire it, you know, according yeah, to the yeah, New York yeah. Times, five minutes, you know, and they just give oh, you yeah, a, yeah, yeah. they get a bunch of different musicians or critics or whatever to nominate one thing that you should listen to. And I just thought it was a really good, really good who would you Who would you nominate? Oh, I don't know. I can't even, it caught me on the hop there. I'll tell you what I was thinking. I was listening to Van Dyke Park's uh, Van Dyke Parks, who we talked about in the past yeah. uh, on the podcast, and Van Dyke Parks was he's a kind of arranger, composer who's, you know, flitted around, you know, in the kind of orbit of better-known people probably yeah. all, his, all his career. But he's an immensely funny and engaging, engaging person. Anyway, worked with Little Feet, arranged stuff for them, you know, did uh, did film music, worked with, I don't know, all, all kinds of people from Los Angeles. And I was, I fastened upon a record of his, and it's, I'm going to do a slight tangent here, but it kind of fits. I found a record of his on streaming services called Super Chief. Does Super Chief mean anything to you? No, no, I've not heard that. Okay, the Super Chief was a train that used to run from Chicago to Los Angeles in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Very luxurious train. And those were in the days when if you wanted to go from Chicago to Los Angeles, you couldn't fly. There wasn't a regular, you know, air air service. So you took, you know, the, the, the train, which took a few days, 
and was it was a very luxurious experience. And a lot of the people who took that train were going out to seek their fortune in Hollywood. You know, they're going yeah. towards the sun, they were going towards the sea, they were going towards the land of plenty, there was going to be the prospect of, of, of fame and fortune and so forth. Van Eyck Parks made a record a few years ago called Super Chief, which is a bunch of film music that he wrote that I think never turned up on any film soundtrack. But but it's fantastic. And once you put it under the name of the Super Chief, it, it, it has a kind of logic to it, even though it's entirely instrumental music. Now, Van Dyke Pass is one of those people who kind of whinges about the uh, the passing of the old record business and the replacement of uh, people buying records with, with streaming and how you can't make any money out of yeah. it and all that kind of stuff. And it really struck me quite forcibly. Back in the days when people put out physical records, Van Dyke Park's records would just disappear without trace. You know, they'd, they'd come out, about six record shops would take one copy, you know, three of them would sell their their three, you know, and the other ones wouldn't bother. And, and the records would be just deleted. They would just disappear from view. I think this is something that people have forgotten nowadays, that obscure records used to just disappear. Disappear, you could never find they, them. They went out the catalogue. They were never repressed. They were never reissued at all. They just vanished. I can remember trying to buy Beach Boys records in the early 70s. Couldn't be done. And that's the that, Beach Boys. That's the bloody Beach yeah, Boys. I know, yeah. Let alone Van Dyke Parks. But the boys, that stuff's all available now, isn't it? Well, the thing about streaming is it sits there forever. You if know, I dialed uh, up Super Chief, I could find it, couldn't I? Of course you could. Yeah. And, you know, and we can talk about it on this podcast today and a few people will go off and listen to it and they'll be able to go off and listen to it in the days of physical product that would not have been possible yeah. you know what i mean so you know if i if i wrote that you know if I, five minutes with uh, with this will make you love van dyke parks you know that would be one of my cho- choices anyway it's funny we we're talking about talking about sun Ra and talking about elderly jazzers it was the 81st birthday of John McLaughlin this week. Who and looks in great shape, doesn't he? My what God. What a testament for uh, for meditation and pulse foods. Absolutely. <laughs> he probably stands on his head for half an hour every morning, you know. He, he looks great. He looks sensational. He does. He's got, he's got you know, fabulous grey hair, you know. But he was yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredibly boyish appearance, hasn't he? Yeah, and he then, looks so happy, doesn't he? And, and just so absolutely. Fulfilled. Every time I see John McLaughlin, I I go away with a spring in my stride yeah. because I think you know he he's a man who looks happy with his lot. You Absolutely, know. nothing to complain about, and nothing to complain about at all. And he, I, the, the clip that I I think I showed you that um, was being interviewed, and he, he said somebody from Jazz FM said um, you've written some great melodies, you know, yeah, <laughs> and and he said what he always says, which is. I don't really think I wrote them. I found them, you know. But you see, I, I, quite a few people have said that, haven't they? I think it's, it's a really good point. I do. I think it's a really good point because it sounds like faux modesty, you know, where you're saying, oh, I didn't actually write that. I mean, it's just, you know, there is a kind of, there is a kind of celestial song cloud 
and I have been divinely chosen as to be one of the one of the pipes through which these already completed songs are downloaded. That's that kind of argument, isn't it? So the implication is that it's not possible to write a completely original song, and I sort of I sort of think that's true, actually, to some extent. I don't know if you. It, do. it must be. Listen, I think it's all to do. I mean, I I don't have a bone of musical creativity about me at all, but. Um, I th- I do think any form of what we call creativity is is the ability to recognize patterns and the yeah. ability to take that what your recognition is and to move it forward and you know so, so you and I can probably do yeah. it on a very low level with words because we can see these things we can see oh if if you move that over there it'll it'll be a yeah bit but more also like you've that. got phrases in your head that you might have read somewhere else that you've sort of subconsciously memorized you absolutely those out. and so musicians do the same thing w- with music and you know that's why he says i've found i've found the odd thing you know it just means it struck his his ear yeah, in a certain yeah, yeah. way and he's been able to take that and kind of run with it but i was told that I was thought that with the, with the Beatles in Hamburg, you know, 10,000 hours, you know, you think how many songs they were playing six 90 minutes, let's say, how many songs like rock and roll and Motown and music hall and R&B, just, and just the number of songs they'd worked out how to play. So if you start to compose a song and play a chord, there's going to be something in you that's telling you that there are various other chords you could go yeah. to automatically. Yeah. My feeling is like, like a day in the life starts with G and goes to B minor and E minor. Well, a million songs have used that chord sequence. You know, it's just a natural thing. It just sounds good. It's a perfect cadence, you know, and there's a finite number of notes. There are 12 notes, but there's an infinite number of words. And I think it's probably the words actually that I can accept that most people, uh, the unique thing you're doing is using a whole lot of, of pre-used ideas in, a, in, in an original way. But it's the words that probably make songs unique. I don't know. What do you think? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
It's funny, the same week that I saw John McLaughlin, um, you know, looking fantastic and <laughs> saying this, I read um, Zadie Smith uh, yeah. wrote a review of the, the, the film Tar with uh, Kate Blanchett. Yeah. She play, plays a, a conductor, doesn't she, or a composer. Yeah, and and she just a bit of a throw a throwaway line in this very long review, which is a really good review. It says, "Is an individual human ever really the sole source of any particular piece of music in the first place?" And I think it's a perfectly fair question. Perfectly fair point, <laughs> because the whole economy of the music business is based on the idea that it is possible. But everything we, we we learn indicates that it's not really no. possible. It can't be done on your own, you know. It all comes, you know, you, you you're standing on the shoulders of everybody you came before, you know. Yeah, and you're either then, you're you're either deliberately looking at other songs like Noel Gallagher always admits he does, and thinking, I'm gonna take that chord structure and I'm gonna use it myself. Or you're inventing a chord structure without being aware of the fact that it is probably very similar to something you've heard in the past. So you might as well accept that it's very, very hard to be original. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, John McLaughlin. Rolling Stones. Did you see the Rolling Stone list of 200 best singers? Oh, right. Yeah, go on. Who won? Oh, those things were infuriating. Do you want the top top 10? Yeah, go on. Let's find their top 10. Where are we? 12, John Lennon, 11, Little Richard. Yeah, 10. 10, Al Green. 9, Otis Redding. Eight Beyonce, <laughs> seven Stevie Wonder, six Ray Charles, five Mariah Carey. Oh yeah, six Billy Holiday. Sorry, four Billy Holiday, three Sam Cooke, two Whitney Houston. Number one, you can imagine Aretha Franklin. So but sorry, I mean, how, how do you get uh, uh, Billy Holiday? Fair enough, but no Frank Sinatra. No Frank Sinatra. Well, he's in there. I can't remember where he is, but he's not in the top 12. Oh, he's below, he's below that. Oh, Lord, yeah. I mean, it's absurd. I mean, these things are designed to infuriate. And my God, they succeed. I thought, I'll have a look, what, but I'm not going to let myself get annoyed. I find Howling Wolf at number 59. <laughs> I find Freddie Mercury at number 14. This doesn't seem right to me. But there I, don't, I don't think it is. I don't think they are devised to annoy people. They're devised to tick the right boxes. That's, you know. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of virtue signaling. Of course, of course there is. But anyway, the correct answer to the question, who is the best singer? I know. I know oh, you know the answer. answer. I, I think I know the answer too. But go on, give me yours. Well, the answer is Ray Charles. It's just as simple as that. Because, you know, it, Ray Charles didn't write any songs. I don't think he wrote anything, did he? I don't think he did, um, but mastered. Did he not write "Hit the Road, Jack" and all that? Maybe not. I, you know, I'm not sure if he did. God, okay. I, I don't. I, I, it could be. I mean, you know, loads of you know things like "Mess Around" was written by Armored Ertegun, you know, and and all you know his country hits were all kind of you know I don't know they were, they were written by country songwriters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I may be completely wrong about this. But the point being about Ray Charles is he mastered every style. He he could just do absolutely anything. He could do rock and roll. Yeah. He could do country. He could do rhythm and blues. And he could do, if you want proof of just how remarkable Ray Charles was as a singer, beyond his extraordinary distinctiveness and the drama with which he could imbue absolutely anything without trying go and listen to his version of america the beautiful 
it's just that's astonishing. Good. No, that's it's, nice. It's just I'm going to go really and do astonishing. That. My and the, my, I think my, I think probably my favourite singer is probably Sam Cooke, and I think his greatest moment is a change is going to come, which I think is absolutely phenomenal. It's got that ability. It's kind of light as air, and it's kind of mellifluous, and it's it's, it's gorgeous sound. He, and you feel he can go in any direction he wants. He's effortless, and he's invite. He's not threatening. You know, there's certain singers you listen to, and it's it's almost like they're almost saying you're saying you know, aren't I technically fantastic? You know, and you have to sit there. You're 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 invited to sit their feet and and stare up in in awe and wonderment. But but Sam Cooke, you feel you can join in. You know, you it's not a threat. You can join in, and you can feel for one brief moment that you almost are Sam Cooke. You know, have you ever have you ever heard uh, the Sam Cooke track that is listed sometimes as humming track, and it's it's an outtake, and it's got Sam Cooke. He's not even properly on the microphone. Yeah, right. No, right. He's tapping his foot. Yeah, and he's he's humming to himself. And the sound of Sam Cooke humming to himself, you know, just makes a mockery of absolutely 99% of household singers, you know. It's just absolutely astonishing. He is I'm, fantastic. It, it struck me listening, looking at that, that list, actually, that there are there's a certain type of singer who, who when they sing, they're reminding you constantly how, how technically good they are. Do you know what I mean? They're very much strong feeling that I am emoting, you know, whether you like it or oh, not. Yeah, yeah. Eddie Lang, Rufus Wainwright, Bono, I think, uh, Al Green, maybe Tom York too, actually. Tony Hadley of Spandau Ballet. There are various people. And uh, and it struck me that I've got to the point where there are certain singers that I can't I can't quite deal with anymore. And, and oh, Rufus, God. Rufus Wainwright is one of them. I used to love Rufus Wainwright. And he is fantastic. But he's only got one gear. And it's absolutely overbearing. It's kind of like cheesecake. It's so rich, you know. I feel slightly the same sometimes about Elvis Costello. Elvis Costello is so mannered. I used to love him. He's so loud. He's so loud. loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you the the one that I, you know, I used to, I used to love him, and I used to play him on the radio all the time because he sounded fantastic on the radio. Because it's really good drama on the radio. It always worked on radio. What era is this? Um, in the nineties, and you know, and there, and you could play him coming out of anything, and then you could play anything after him, and I, it was absolutely perfect for about a year, and now I never wish to hear him again. I'll so when was his peak? I, 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 I'm very bad at years, but anyway, I, I say I never wish to hear him again. That sounds really unkind. I'm sure I will change my mind at some point, but right now I never, I don't wish to hear Jeff Buckley. Oh, Jeff Buckley. I just, I'm sorry. It's just kind of overblown. It's too much. You know, it's again, it's like cheesecake. It's like you said, it's too rich. You kind of add too much of it, you know. And uh, and I suppose it's just a a natural thing with the passage of time, isn't it? You know, because part of the way that we attach ourselves to pop singers is we listen to them for a long, long time, don't we? Yeah. So we don't get tired of them, you know. And uh, and then there are some people you just get tired of. You see, I don't get tired of Bob Dylan, oddly No, enough. but then there, there are millions of different gears. There's millions of different voices, aren't there? There's millions of different so. Dylans to choose I from. I suppose so. Whereas I think Jeff Buckley probably is just pretty much the same each Do you time. know, that's a really good point. And do you know the other one? Who's a bit similar? He was a fantastic singer by any, 
you know, measure, but I don't want to listen to is Annie Lennox. Annie Lennox, okay. Because Annie Lennox just sounds slightly pompous to me. Okay. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> yeah. It sounded just like yeah. Neil Tennant. That's really funny. <laughs> Oh, so, oh, so that's their careers oh, over. But there are certain people. There are certain people also that I find I've never been moved by. You know, oh, right. I mean, I love Debbie Harry. You know, I like Madonna. I've never, never found other one remotely moving. Have you? I don't. I don't regard Debbie Harry as, as seeking to be moving. I I love Debbie Harry. I love the sound yeah. of Debbie. Oh, Harry. it's great! It's fantastic. Far, far more than I like the sound of Madonna. Yeah, because Debbie Harry always sounded to me like, you know, in the in the best possible way, somebody singing into into a hairbrush in front of their mirror, you know, <laughs> and and I'm not knocking that at all, you know, I'm really not knocking that. Yeah. It's like that's the way you want to sing in front of a mirror. That's yeah. the kind of pop way of singing, whereas. You know, I don't like the whole Mariah Carey way of yeah. singing, which is is that kind of calisthenic, you know, showing yeah, calisthenic off. Calisthenic, it is. Vocal gymnastics is, look at me, I can sing, and I'm expressing myself. It's like, it's like, look at me, I can act, you know. It's yeah, like, yeah. who would you rather, who would you rather watch, Daniel Day-Lewis or Jack Nicholson? It's Jack Nicholson every time. Well, Jack Nicholson, it's not so... It's just more relaxing. <laughs> I think those people are just require too much concentration and effort on the part of the listener or the viewer. It's I only like work. I only like one. And can I be honest? This is confession session. Go on, is, go on. Nobody, nobody else is listening. You know, <laughs> there's nobody here but us. Um, do you know? I only like one Madonna record. Oh right, okay. I only like one. I guess it's going to really? be an early one. It's going to be get into the groove or it's holiday. No, you're wrong. No. Actually, I probably like more than one. But anyway, Live to Tell. I like Live to Tell. Oh, right. I, okay. I, I think it's a really good song. I think she does it really well. Yeah. I don't like get into the groove. I don't like holiday. Don't like any of those older oh, ones. Okay. Although, like a virgin, all right, you know, and like a prayer and stuff like that. But really, the only one I really like is Live to Tell. Whereas I like hundreds of Debbie Harry records. Yeah. Uh, because Debbie Harry just did. Well, I like I like Blondie. I like the sound of Blondie. Yeah. I like the idea of Blondie. There's nothing about Blondie I don't like. Um, no, they're fantastic. Uh, and, uh, and so the fact that she always sounded slightly dispassionate was kind of part of the charm of Blondie, I think. You know? Yeah. It's like I'm always touched by your presence, dear, but she sounds as if she isn't. <laughs> That's kind of the great thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. See, yeah. I'm singing to myself in the back of a car. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, you know, I, I I love that. I loved, I loved, you know, Debbie Harry and Blondie. Was I never loved Madonna at all? Not, Not to love ever. <laughs> so anyway. That's a few more careers killed. <laughs> the Word Podcast. Fix yourself a drink and it's like being in the pub. All right, here we are. Uh, any other business? And we're joined by Andrew Slattery, our uh, much-valued Patreon supporter, 
and birthday boy. But first of all, Paul, before we go any further, we have a small presentation to make, don't we, Alex? Oh, we do. Via the miracle of Zoom. Alex oh said he would get you, he would get you something to recognize the fact that you've won the quiz. How many times, Andrew? Um, it, it, the one just gone was the fifth. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> But also, well, I, the, like, he is the he is the supreme champion of our Friday night quiz. I, I would say though, uh, and I said this in an email to Alex. I mean, I was very lucky in December. Like December was quite high score, but I was lucky in that I was a fan of everyone that was asked. All so uh, right, all uh, right, okay. Was the highest score we've ever had? I think so. That's um, that's a double whammy of of respect coming. Anyway, Alex said on his travels he would pick you up a little something, and he's here. He is in Prague this evening, aren't you, Alex? In Prague today. I was in Vienna. He's gone there specifically to buy you a present. <laughs> no, no, no. Last last night I was in Vienna, which of course is is the home of music, is where music was invented in 1827 by John Music, and I went to a museum called. The House Dare Music, the House of Music, and uh, from this museum I bought you. A little music box. There you oh. go. Amazing. What's it play? Well, nothing at the moment because I think we've all got our sound. Oh, you can't hear it. It's play oh, I can. I put there it is. Well, we can read it. It says yeah. congratulations. Saying congratulations by Sir Cliff. Oh, Very good words. So that that will be on its way to you. That's uh, great. When Collector's I item. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's traditional that when it's a patron supporter's birthday uh, that we invite them on the podcast and uh, and invite them to throw a log on the conversational fire, if you like. But yeah, you've got a specific idea, haven't you, Andre? Go it, on. It, it was an idea. It, it came up, I, I, I mentioned this in my email, it was a couple of weeks ago on the quiz, you made reference to Petra Hayden sings The Who Sell Out. <laughs> And much to your amusement. And amazingly, you just you had, you had incredible. And you, you remarked at the time that this was the makings of a parlor game to see, <laughs> you know, someone name a couple of records and see yeah. who has them and how quickly they can pull them off the shelf. Now, I don't expect anyone to pull them off the shelf, but what I thought might be a bit fun was I, I, I picked five albums that are kind of okay, like sort of bubbling under the kind of albums that. Actually, two of them I know for a fact were done in Mojo's Buried Treasure. Do you remember the Buried Treasure? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's that kind of level. So just for a bit of fun, I thought I'd pick five and run them by. Yeah, you. okay. They're not too obscure. Anyway, I'll start I'm with the I'm unlikely to have them, but go on. I'll start with the most recent one. This one here. Oh, wow. Billy Joe and Nora Foreverly. And what... No, this is the most recent one. This is already worryingly nine years old. It's, it's Billy Joe Armstrong of Green Day with Nora Jones recording in its entirety an album originally done by the Everly Brothers. Wow, oh, my lord. So so I think the album was originally called Songs Our Daddy Talk. Oh, sang the oh, songs yeah, yeah, our yeah. father. Yes, I yeah. remember that. Yeah. And, and you know, they've, they've done they did the whole thing. It's it's a slightly tweaked order, but but that's what it is. Well, I haven't got that. And I that's good. I haven't got that. that. No, it's no. very good. So you win so far. Okay, so far. Are you going for, for outrageously obscure things or just no, interesting no, no. curios? No, just kind of bubbling under. No, that's stuff. an interesting Yeah, they're good. Interesting stuff story, that isn't though. necessarily on like the 100 greatest albums. No, that's a great story. No, no, good. good. Okay, the next one is this fella, which is Qua by 
Yormako Colnan of Jefferson. Oh, Airplane. oh my lord! Oh uh, right, is that a solo album? It yes, is, isn't it? I think right. it, was his, it was. He had done a few albums with Hot Tune. Hot Tune, yeah, I love which, Hot. I've got loads I of Hot recently, Tuna records. I recently yeah. got a compilation that they reissued the first few Hot Tuna records, and I got that. And I, I I'm a big fan of those. So I love Hot Tuna. First yeah. pull up, then pull down. Fantastic record. But Burgers. This is really Burgers. nice because this this is real just sort of finger picking good. And there's a couple of nice ones with just some strings and things on it. It's 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 really yeah, nice. A friend yeah, of yeah. mine introduced me to it. And as I say, it's one of those things that kind of turns up on lists of, you know, the best albums you've never heard. But yeah. I, if you like Hot June and you like Yorma anyway, I would. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Very good. Um, third one. This fella. Melody songs. This okay. Is, okay. This is, this is my mellow candle. I, 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 oh, I, I, we I, talked about that on the podcast, didn't we? It was Tom Cox or somebody Tom like that. Tom Cox, I think, I think it, was. it was. Yeah, it's become very, very fashionable, very sought after now among record collectors, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's not an original because the originals yeah. are crazy money, but it's kind of beloved of, you know, I know, Mark, you love um, Incredible String Band. I and, do. Uh, you know, it's kind of it's not it's not that similar, but it, it's you know the kind of two two female voices, and it's very kind of psychedelic folk. See, yeah, 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 yeah. string band is 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 it it kind of it's an example of nothing, isn't it? Incredible string band because I love the first three Incredible String Band records, and then that's it. I don't go any further. Well, then again, like ones anybody, after that were not nearly as good. I don't like anybody like them. You know what yeah, I mean? That's right. I just like that. Those thing. three. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, what else you got there? That's um, good. This is this good. Is, uh, this one, this was another one that was featured in the Mojo. Um, TPOH. It's, oh. it's The Pursuit of Happiness. I think it's from 88. Oh. And it was, it's their Canadian band. Yes. And it's. Produced by Todd Rundgren. Yes. And they kind of had, you know, a little bit of a cult following at the time. They had about five or six albums. I've yeah. got I've got one of their albums, definitely on Possibly CD. Possibly this one. Uh, I, it doesn't look like that, the one I've got. Okay. But anyway. Is that the cover or have they have they signed that one? Does it this one happens to be signed. I didn't get it signed, but someone gave Beautiful. me this one it signed. Yeah. That is the cover though. It's just the giant letters. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's yeah, 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 yeah. Very um, good. And then the, the last one. Uh this one here. Oh, oh, Jimmy Webb. I, I've got that. I've got that. I'm around Jimmy Webb. And I've got that. But I haven't got it signed by him. Well, I got this actually as it happened. I, I didn't take it out for this reason. I took it out because I think it's great. And it's, you know, one of those sort of missing in action type albums. It's signed by Jimmy Webb. But I also got it signed by, which isn't as clear, George Martin. Can you oh, see Oh, amazing. Yes. George Martin was doing an event in Dublin. And of course, everyone brought along their Beatles LPs, but I I thought it'd be nice to get him on this because, yes. you know, he he arranged it and he produced it. And I remember I, I gave it to him and he said, oh, we had a lot of fun making this. Like, I think he liked the fact that it, was, it wasn't Beatles. He would have done completely. He would, he would I mean, do. really pleased. Yeah, so that's nice. So anyway, that's just a bit of fun. I just thought that no, was that's, that's lovely. That, I that's really good, like that. That's a good game. Great, that's a good because game. They've all got a little story behind them and that's good to know. So when was your birthday? Have you had it? or It was, is on, it... It was on the 30th. Right. So um, last week, but uh, it was it was good fun. It was just nothing special. Just sort of seeing family and stuff. It was good. Well, look, it's been lovely to talk to you. Yeah. Happy birthday. A happy birthday. We'll uh, see you very shortly after this recording for the quiz. Indeed. <laughs> for another of your no doubt triumphs. Well, we'll congratulations. See. Thanks a million. This podcast was brought to you by the Word. 
hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 